Amen. Good morning, all you rainy day Christians who are here today and in your places. Amen. I want to thank you for this kind invitation to be with you, uh, to experience your hospitality. Wonderful. You have um, an amazing staff and an amazing ministry and volunteers here at this church. And I so enjoyed spending time with your new pastor, who is a a longtime acquaintance and friend. And I think he's just the right person for the right job in the right place. Will you give a big hand to Reverend Troy? I also want to thank Reverend Kristen for her incredible work with our children and youth at General Conference. You and your team uh, gave us the finest program ever we had. Will you stand, rise as you're able, Kristen? Let's thank everyone. (coughs) It was a great service to the kids, parents, and our denomination. Also, thanks to many at Resurrection, including Reverend Mike and Elisa and others who serve our denomination in a variety of ways. We count on you, Resurrection MCC, for all you do in your community through your gifts and service to MCC. I found that some here at Resurrection MCC don't even know that your church helped to start our church in Monterey, Mexico. Earlier this year, I was there for their 15th anniversary, and they crowded about 150 people uh, in their sanctuary for a Friday night. And um, they are prospering and growing. And thank you for your vision and for your faithfulness. You know, eight years ago, we had about seven churches in all of Latin America. Now we have about 53 including in Cuba, Dominican Republic, and Spain. Thank you for being a part of our (laughs) Ibero-American ministry. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, our strength and our redeemer, amen. It is a joy to be with you today as you conclude your series about creating a life of enough and connecting today hope and forgiveness. Someday someone will write the story that there's a long line of justice-seeking movements within the story of Christian faith that have widened the access to the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. We MCCs are heirs to that long line of justice-seeking movements. We are part of that impulse divine. That's the story of MCC, which as many of you know, began with a story of terrible despair. Reverend Troy Perry, a Pentecostal minister, we learned yesterday from the Church of God of Prophecy, which he used to say was to the right of Attila the Hun. That's what uh, uh, he attempted to take his own life, believing God could not love him as a gay man. But God's grace intervened and a kind neighbor found him. Forgiveness flowed, hope and trust began to be restored. And Reverend Troy Perry began a journey of creating a life of enough hope for himself and his community. We are heirs of that moment 45 years ago 
There's a direct line from the coffee table in the living room of Reverend Troy Perry, where that first open communion was served, to your gorgeous table this morning that invites everyone into the presence and love of God. It's the story of how LGBT people, genderqueer people, our heterosexual allies are claiming faith and forgiveness and hope. It's the most important spiritual story of our time and one of the most important stories of liberation in this century. All around the world, our communities who have been in despair, alienated from God, self, and others are coming into grace and empowered you know, we live in a world that wants to divide everyone into winners and losers. That's what our gospel lesson is about today. Jesus preached and taught that this kind of thinking pushes us farther away from God. All of us need to humble ourselves in order to allow God to work in us. And we are all equal in the eyes of God, equally loved, equally in need of forgiveness and hope. I believe that forgiveness is the most powerful and sometimes the most challenging spiritual discipline of Christian faith and other faiths as well. And I like to think about what does it mean to not forgive? What does unforgiveness do? Whenever you say it's hard to forgive, you say, well, what do we get out of not forgiving? It is like a weight that keeps hope from rising within us. All of us have had things we struggle to forgive. Why? Why do we withhold forgiveness? Why do we get, what do we get out of not forgiving? It keeps us stuck, frozen in time. I've known couples who have divorced, and there's one person who won't forgive and won't forgive. And sometimes my sense it's been because to forgive is to let go. Sometimes the only thing that keeps us holding on to somebody is our anger or our bitterness, you know. And we're afraid of what's on the other side if I were to really let go and move on in my life. Or we refuse to forgive ourselves, which becomes an excuse for unhealthy behavior on our part. Now she's gone from preaching to meddling, someone would say. That's right. When we need to forgive or be forgiven, we are most in need of God, and yet, when we forgive, we are most like God. Isn't that something? Forgiveness identifies us with our need for God, but also the way we are in the image of God. I spent the last two years on the White House Faith Council. Very interesting. Uh, people from many different faiths. Um, the only other elder on the Faith Council was a, a Mormon elder, uh, a delightful man. We became fast friends. Um, and it was powerful to be one of 18 people in the United States to have the honor to serve on this faith council um, and to do that as, as an open lesbian from Metropolitan Community Church. Oh, my goodness. What a great honor. But <clears throat> our focus for almost two years was an effort to contribute to stopping human trafficking, modern slavery, sex and labor trafficking. 27 million people worldwide are trafficked, and a disproportionate number of those are LGBT youth in this country. We spent days listening to people who were victims of human trafficking and modern slavery. These women and men know that forgiveness 
never denies that wrong was done, but it says that the wrong will not continue to do harm to them now as they let go. One young woman whose parents sold her into slavery said, I am not what happened to me. I forgive not because I pretend nothing horrible happened or because somebody deserves it, but because it frees me to live in hope and in dignity. So first, we have to create a life of enough hope. We have to forgive ourselves and accept forgiveness. As a pastor in MCC for decades and decades, I heard over and over again people in MCC say, I can forgive everybody else, but I cannot forgive myself. We have to see ourselves through heaven's eyes where there are no losers. If God is to be God in our life, then we must allow God to heal us and forgive us. The Pharisee and the tax collector are equally loved and cherished, Jesus says. We must see ourselves through God's eyes, the eyes of compassion. Not forgiving ourselves keeps us alienated from our deepest selves, one another and from God. Some of us show more compassion on complete strangers than on ourselves. We have to stop either defending or punishing ourselves. It's just not our job. But let God be God and forgiveness flow. Secondly, to create a life of enough hope, we have to forgive others. Few of us got to be in this room, in this sanctuary, without having something to forgive somebody for. Maybe it was a church. Maybe it was a pastor or family members, whatever it was. Years ago, when I was pastoring, a young man in our church who was a dancer had a terrible accident. He broke his leg in several places. He'd had surgery, and still there was a gap in the bone that would not heal. And we had prayed over him, and he'd been to different doctors, but that little gap would not heal. One day I visited him, and he told me nervously that his father was coming to town to visit him. And he broke down and cried about his father, who had abused him when he was young. He was still very angry and sad and even afraid to see him. He poured out his heart, and then I took a risk and suggested that we pray a prayer of trust in God and forgiveness to allow him to see his father without the burden of that anger and fear. He wept and wept and wept. He was able to see his father and actually have some peace and reconciliation so important because a year later, his father died. But the most amazing thing, perhaps, was that two weeks later, after he'd opened his heart and poured out his deepest wounds, his leg was completely healed. I say that forgiveness works in many ways and heals in many ways and frees us to hope. I was in Bucharest, Romania last year. We've been working in Eastern Europe and Russia and places for many years where religious homophobia, especially from the dominant Orthodox Church, is overwhelming. We were holding a communion service at the LGBT Center, and about a dozen of us gathered, and a young man who was 22 years old told a story from five years before when he was just 17, just coming out. He was in love with the Orthodox Church, with his faith, and he told his priest that he was gay. Well, the priest reacted very badly told him to go home and take a poker and put it in a hot fire and then to grab 
the hot end with his hand and burn his hand. And the priest said, and then I want you to come back and show me your scars and I'll tell you how not to throw your body and soul into hell. Well, he went home and prayed and cried and he said somewhere in the wee hours of the morning, he thought, I I just can't believe that Jesus would want me to do this to myself. And he felt like he had to choose, as many of us know, between a faith that rejected him, a God that rejected him. And so here he sat that day, pouring out his heart, and we shared communion together. There was not a dry eye as he began that process of forgiveness and hope. And last but not least, some of us, we need to forgive God, don't we? One of my favorite TV shows is The West Wing. Um, And in one particular uh, story, On a very tough day anyway, President Bartlett learns that his secretary, Mrs. Lanningham, who he dearly loved, who was a mentor to him in his young life, was killed in a car accident, capriciously. And so they go to the funeral a couple of days later, and as they're finishing the funeral, he seals the cathedral, the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., throws out even the Secret Service and everybody, and has his moment with God. Let's watch. Yes, I lied. It was a sin. I've committed many sins. Have I displeased you, you feckless thug? 3.8 million new jobs. That wasn't good. (laughs) Bailed out Mexico, increased foreign trade, 30 million new acres of land for conservation. Put Mendoza on the bench. We're not fighting a war. I've raised three children. That's not enough to buy me out of the doghouse. Hey, Kratom, Adeo Pio, Adeo Justo, Adeo Shito, Cuchiatos and Cruce, Tuis in terra servos nuntias fui, officium perfece, Cuchiatos and Cruce, Eas and Cruce. All of us need to lock ourselves in a cathedral sometimes, don't we? And pour out our heart to God, even if it's irrational, even if it doesn't seem fair to blame God or not. That's what the Psalms are all about. Have you read a Psalm lately? (laughs) Full of anger and questions and angst, asking why. (laughs) When we experience grave injustice or sorrow, sometimes we have nowhere to go but God. And God can take it. That's what I tell people. You can pour out your heart and you can say anything to God. And God loves you and is with you. I was in Beijing at the LGBT center there. Imagine that. There's an LGBT center in Beijing, China. And I spoke to a group of about 50 people, about a third of whom were Christians. And halfway through, a man stood up and he just started yelling. And he said how angry he was at God. He didn't really believe in God anymore anyway. 
and then his parents and family and Christian friends who had rejected him for being who he was. He told the story, uh, and, and so I told the story of MCC. I kind of changed what I was doing, and I testified. And afterwards, he looked at me and said, do you really, really, really believe there is a God who could love me? And you know, the joy was I could look at him and instantly respond, yes, I know there is such a God. I know there is such a God. And it was just an amazing, powerful experience thinking I've come all the way to Beijing, China, and it's the same question that people have been asking ever since I've been in MCC. Is there a God who would love and accept me? Our church is full of people who have a love-hate relationship with God and with the church and sometimes with each other. I believe that's true of every church, but it's especially true of us in this place. And we need you, I say we, MCC, all over the world, and people who haven't even met us yet. We need you, Resurrection, to continue to grow and prosper in your hearts and in your ministry as you become even stronger and more confident in God's amazing grace and you bring that hope to millions around the world who look to you. Tomorrow, our delegation from Metropolitan Community Churches will be going to South Korea to the World Council of Churches Assembly, where they will meet with 5,000 people from all over the world. And they will be visiting Seoul. For the very first time, MCCers will meet with LGBT Christians and straight allies who are excited to connect to MCC and our message. You make this possible with your generosity, with your embodiment of justice and hope right here in Houston. A young man contacted me from India early this year. There's almost not a day when I don't hear from someone in India, in Asia, or in Africa asking about MCC. He had been a Christian since he was a kid, but he had come out as a gay man, and no Christian in his small village in India would baptize him. He found MCC online and asked if someone could help him. <coughs> Reverend Elder Darlene got involved and arranged for this young man to be in touch with an MCC pastor who counseled him. They set a date, and that day this young man's gay Hindu friend agreed to help. On Skype, as the MCC pastor said the words of baptism, this young man's Hindu friend poured the water over him as forgiveness and hope freed him to be whole and completely who he is. This is what it means to be the church alive in the 21st century, to stretch our boundaries together. Every now and then we have to ask, what have I stopped praying for? What have I given up about? What have I refused to be forgiven for or not been willing to forgive others for? What unforgiveness is standing between me and a life of enough hope, generosity, and compassion? How can I release all of that for my own good and the good of my church and the world? Maybe you need to forgive yourself today. Maybe there's a person, a church, a family you need to forgive. Maybe you even need to forgive God, even if it doesn't make sense. But allow God to draw near you today as you come to the table of communion. Open your hearts and your lives to hope today. There is enough. Amen. <laughs>